My name is David J. Harris, Jr. Join me and millions of Americans around the country as we embrace liberty and freedom. This is the David J. Harris, Jr. Show. Are you kidding me? (laughs) I normally reserve that for something either really, really spectacular or something really horrible. Today, it's absolutely spectacular, friends, as my guest is somebody that has been a mentor to me uh, from a distance. I have watched, I have read his books. I love his movie, Uncle Tom. Uh, I've listened to the books that he says that you should that you should uh, read. And I've grown so much in my young life from listening to the amazing, the one and only, the man, the myth, the legend, Larry Elder. Are you kidding me? Larry Elder is on my show today. My brother, how are you? Now see what happens, David. Now I have to live up to that introduction. <laughs> By the way, why am I so washed out? You look great. You have a beautiful complexion. I look like I slept in a coffin or something. What is that all about? I think you look great, my brother. I just got really bright lights right in front of me. And uh, no, I think you You look great, though. Thank you so much for taking the time in this middle of the chaos that's taking place in our country right now to hop on my show. It's crazy, isn't it? Uh, What happened at the Capitol, that riot is, is inexcusable. Nobody on our side is defending this. What I found interesting... Uh, David, is that literally within hours after this happened, the Democrats were saying, the media is saying, what would have happened had the protesters been primarily black? Now, I'm watching this horrific thing, as you were, David, and my first thought, my second thought, my third thought, my fourth thought, my 100th thought was not, my goodness, what would have happened had these protesters primarily been black? The woman who was killed, the the Air Force vet was white. Uh, The cop who shot her was white. The cop who who was killed, murdered, uh, was white. And so why all of a sudden are we going to speculate that what would have happened had the parties been a different race? What's the point? And the point is, no matter what happens, David, whether blacks are involved or not involved, liberals are going to figure out some sort of way of reminding you that you're a victim, eternally oppressed. So let's have a thought experiment about what would have happened had the protesters been primarily been black. But as long as you want to play that game, let's do that. Uh, As you know, we had all these protests going on in in the streets in the summers. Yep. There were some 2,000 cops uh, who were injured, about 25 people who were killed, um, and um, the police pulled back. They mm-hmm. were afraid to engage. The mayor of Baltimore, recall, she said, we gave the rioters, quote, space to destroy, close quote. Uh, all of this is because the police were more hesitant, more reluctant to use deadly force against blacks than against anybody else. This has been studied back, to, back since the 1970s. There have been research, evidence, analyses, studies showing the cops, if anything, are more hesitant to use deadly force against black people than against white people. So you want to play this silly game about what would have happened had the protesters primarily been black? Probably, David, it would have been worse. The the crashing would have been worse. Uh, The police would have been even more passive. Uh, Who knows what would have happened? So you really want to play that game? You really want to go there? And what really bothers me is when Joe Biden said, my daughter, Finnegan Biden, who goes to University of Pennsylvania, letting you know she's an Ivy League student, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, my daughter, Finnegan Biden, calls me up. She said, Pop, what would have happened had the protesters been black? And Joe Biden says, and nobody could tell me the response would not have been different. Let's play that game. I just looked at the um, murder rates, uh, crime uh, murder stats for 2020 Chicago, St. Louis, Baltimore. Chicago is a city that's 30% black, about a third white, and about a third Hispanic. of the homicides, over 700, by the way, a 50% increase the year before, were black victims, almost all killed by other blacks. St. Louis, 
about 45% of the population is black. They had about 400 homicides, 90% of them black victims. Uh, the speculation is that the perps were almost all black. Baltimore, Baltimore is about 60% black, a little more than 300 homicides. Again, 90% black victims. The speculation is that almost all of the perps were black. Is, is Finnegan Biden gonna pick, pick up her smartphone and call Pop and say, Pop, what would have happened if these murder victims had been primarily white? Wouldn't the government have responded differently? That didn't happen. See, white liberals love to tell you how oppressed you are about things that they can connect to racism, whether it's the police response, whether it's uh, uh, the disproportionate effect of COVID on black people. Uh, they love telling you about disparities when it comes to assuming the disparities because of racism. When it comes to other disparities, like the unconscionable 50% dropout rate in the inner city, mm. the fact that 15% of black kids in California cannot read at levels of proficiency. The fact that there are 13 Baltimore high schools where 0% can do math uh, at grade level. That the fact that there are 70% of black kids coming into the world without a father married to the mom. They don't want to touch any of that, that because no. they can't link that to racism. Even though those conditions are far more problematic for black people than the alleged occasional rare uh, racist white cop. Yes, the facts that you that you present they, they cannot be refuted, but they don't want to listen to the facts. The mainstream media has been hell-bent for especially the last four years under what I believe is the greatest presidency that we've seen in our country, at least in my lifetime, without a shadow of a doubt, uh, trying to make him racist and all of us racist. And that's why I so appreciate I want to get into your movie in a little bit as well as we're talking about, because really it all fits all together. Your movie that you launched, Uncle Tom, that did amazing, by the way, it should have done uh, tremendously better than it did. It should have gotten a lot more accolades and awards. It really didn't get any. Uh, it should have got a ton. And it really strikes to the core of exactly what's been boiling in our country from politicians, from the mainstream media, painting us all, pitting us all against each other, painting this country racist in its very foundation, the president racist, and now anybody that follows or supports the president is racist, and they're canceling anybody that has supported him. You know, absolutely. And about my film, if I could just brag on it a little bit, there's a there's a website called IndieWire. And from what I can tell now, it is the probably the most important website that covers independent films. And they just put out their list of the top uh, independent films of 2020. And of course, Uncle Tom, not on the list. There's another uh, company called uh, Fandango, uh, uh, Polygon. They also put out a list of the top 20 films uh, of the top films of, of the documentaries of 2020. Uncle Tom, not on the list. Another publication called Pace, P-A-S-T-E magazine, put out their list. Uncle Tom, not there. Now, what's interesting on all three of these lists, None of the films, none had an IMDb rating as high as mine. IMDb wow. is International Movie Database. They cover every movie that's ever been made. And anybody that sees a film can, can, can write a review. And then they, and they do a rating. Uh, and we have a 9.0 rating. None of the last 10 films, David, that have won the Academy Award for Best Documentary have had an IMDb rating. IMDb rating that high. The highest was uh, OJ in America a few years ago, 8.9. Most of them had ratings in the low eights, some in the high sevens. Nobody had a nine, let alone uh, a 9.0, which, which is what we got. Not, not mentioned. Also, there's another rating uh, that people use a lot called Rotten Tomatoes. Mm -hmm. And a couple of the films on all three of these lists had a Rotten Tomato rating higher than mine. A couple of them had a 100% rating. Uh, but most of them had a, a Rotten Tomatoes rating substantially lower than the 96% that uh, Uncle Tom got. So by any measure, whether critical or financial, 
Uncle Tom is a smash, smash hit and is ignored by the major film critics. Daily Variety has not reviewed the film. Uh, the Hollywood Reporter has not reviewed the film. I'm born and raised in Los Angeles. The LA Times has not reviewed the film. None of the major newspapers have. One columnist uh, who writes for the Chicago Tribune wrote a, wrote a piece about it, but he's pr primarily a political columnist and his angle was why is the film being ignored as opposed mm -hmm. to Here's a review about the film. So the film has not been reviewed by any of the major uh, film reviewers at all. We've we've contacted the Academy Award people, try to get the criteria it takes to to submit it for consideration for nomination, and we're yeah. hoping to do that. But um, it's just getting warmed up. Uh, most people don't even know about the film. Uh, it hasn't, as, as I mentioned, been reviewed. So there's a great deal of upside potential yet to go. Well, I believe that there is, and I believe that it will come. Uh, and hopefully, this show and everybody that's watching it will share this. Because, again, it strikes to the core of what we're seeing unfold in front of our country right now. Everything is made about race. The Capitol riot that took place that was small in comparison to any of the riots that took place in 2020. And I'm not condoning any violence whatsoever. Right. I believe there were agitators there, specifically there, I personally believe, to instigate, to start stuff. And I, don't, I do not believe that they were Trump supporters. But the what do, what took place at the Capitol was very small in comparison to what happened last year. But everything that happened in 2020, all the riots, they all culminated because of the mainstream media and Democrats continuing to push on all of us this race baiting, race hatred narrative that that uh, we're, we're a racist country. Our foundation is our, our roots are racist uh, and that the black folks all need to be understand their victims and need to be saved. Your movie goes, it strikes right to the heart of that. So it's no surprise to me that it's being ignored, yet that's exactly why every American loving patriot person right. should be should be watching it and sharing it with their family and friends. You know, David, as you know, there's a clip in there of Martin Luther King. He gave an interview and he said, things have happened in this country that have surprised me, meaning uh, gotten better in the last two years. He says, yeah. I believe given the rate of progress, we could have a black president in about 40 years time. Bingo, that's about exactly when Barack Obama got elected. Now, David, he didn't say in 40 years' time we're going to have CEOs of Fortune 500 companies, which we've had. He didn't say in 40 years' time we're going to have a governor of one of the states of the Confederacy, uh, like Doug Wilder uh, in Virginia, which we had. He didn't say we're going to have mayors of all the major cities in America, New York, uh, Chicago, Los Angeles, Philadelphia, which we've had. He didn't say there's going to be a black president of an Ivy League university. I went to Brown University. A black female became president of my university after I graduated. He didn't say there's going to be a black coach of Notre Dame, one of the most storied football franchises in America, which, of course, has happened. He said there's going to be in 40 years a black president, meaning this is when we can say by any reasonable standard, if you work hard, stay focused, you can realize your dreams. You can be evaluated by the content of your character rather than the color of your skin. If we have a yeah. black president of the United States, we can now say America has reached that level. We did. What happened? Yeah. We're still bitching and moaning and whining. Still talking yeah. about microaggressions, underrepresentation. They switched the goalposts from equal opportunity to equal results. And those are very different things. We're entitled yeah. to the first, not to the latter. The latter is about hard work and commitment. The, 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 the first is about what is entitled, what you are entitled to as a human being by God, by, yes. our, by our government, by our constitution. Equal results are very, very different things. And what they're now doing is, is accusing the country of still being eternally racist because blacks don't have the same amount of money as white people have. Honestly, you have to work for it. Apply. Yes. That's why we should be talking about the quality of education K through 12, which we're not. That's why we ought to be talking about the 
fact that 70% of black kids are raised uh, in, brought, into the Ameri- brought into the world without a father in the home. And Obama said, a yes, kid without a father is five times more likely to be poor and commit crime, nine times more likely to drop out of school, 20 times more likely to end up in jail. Now, we ought to be talking about why in 1965, 25% of black kids were raised without a father in the world. Now it's 70% where black kids brought into the world without a father married to the mother. Why aren't we talking about that? No, we're not talking about that because that would require the left to rethink the welfare state and all these social programs that have made it easier for women to marry the government and made it easier for black men to abandon their financial and moral responsibility. It absolutely would. And something just hit me as you're sharing about what the great Dr. Martin Luther King, um, we're coming up in memorial of his of his uh, birthday, uh, something that he said, believing that in 40 years we'd have a black president, uh, it seems to me that the left actually utilized that need to try to show America that, uh, you know, Americans wanting to see that, hey, a black man can be president. And so many people voted for Barack just because of his skin color. Yet that wasn't enough for the left because after he gets out and even during his administration, Obama's administration, he still was race baiting. He was still honoring Black Lives Matter. He was still pointing at the cops, white cops, and talking about the the, the differences, the issues that are there. So it seems like it's a tactic that the left actually used, and they're still continuing to use now that uh, all the way through Trump being in office. They're still just trying to say that we're divided, uh, that we hate each other in, in, inherently and in, in, uh, at the very foundation of, of who we are as people and, and our country. Uh, it, where, did, where does it stop and can it stop? You know, David, I think that uh, America thought the guy they voted for was the guy who gave an interview to Steve Croft when he was a senator. He was catching Hillary, and that's why he got the interview, but he wasn't a front runner yet. And Steve Croft said, Senator, if you don't get this nomination, if you don't win this race, will it be because you're black? And yep. Obama said, and I sat back, David, and I said to myself, let me see what this guy says. Yeah. And I leaned forward and he said, no, mm-hmm. if I don't get the nomination, it will be because I have not articulated the vision that the American people can embrace. Mm-hmm. And I said, wow, I don't vote for, for liberals. I don't vote for people to tax, to spend, uh, to regulate. But at least this guy is going to set the course properly on race relations in America. It no longer is a major factor. He just now said that. Before that, he gave a speech at a black church. And it's also in the film. And he said, the MLK generation that he called the Moses generation has gotten us 90% of the way, way there. I thought that was very reasonable. He said, my generation, the Joshua generation, has to get us that additional 10%. That was before he got elected president, let alone reelected. So that 10 percent is probably even lower right now. So what did the man do? The first time he had a chance to actually say that was when his good friend Skip Gates got got uh, temporarily arrested by the Cambridge police because Gates had gone on vacation, came back, forgot his door key. And he and the cab driver broke into his house. A neighbor saw this didn't connect him with the house, called 911. Isn't that what you want your neighbors to do? Yeah, yeah. Shows up, sees this man in this house and very politely asks him to come out and show ID to make sure he belongs to the house. And instead of Kip Gates politely complying, he said, I'll come out if your mama tells me to come out or something like that. And it escalated. And he ended up getting arrested briefly. And it becomes this big thing. And instead of Obama saying publicly to the country, you know, I spoke to my friend Skip Gates last night. I said, Skip, you're a Harvard professor for crying out loud. You're a role model. We got a problem with kids not cooperating with the police in the streets. And here you are saying, I'll come out if your mama tells me. 
<laughs> I told him to skip, and I said, Skip, I'm gonna go public and I'm gonna say, Skip, you did the wrong thing. You should have complied. Comply, mm -hmm. you won't die. Not that we don't have racism in America, but the cop was doing his job. What did right. Obama say? The Cambridge police acted stupidly. What did Obama say? If I had a son, he looked like Trayvon. What did Obama say? There's a place called Ferguson showing us we have our own problems. He played the race card time and time again because the wow. politician knows that in order to get 95% of black people voting for the Democratic Party, you got to convince them that racism remains America. The human being Obama knows, the guy that ran for president, the guy that took down Hillary, the guy that assumed America would vote for a guy who was competent, he knows damn well it's BS. But he says it to you to get votes. It's disgusting. It is. It's disgusting. I want to play this clip from uh, from the film because this, I think, so adequately just shares with all of the uh, with all the audience, everybody watching, exactly how race has been used to create the atmosphere that we're in. And and then I got another follow up video after you comment on this of a prominent Democrat politician right now that has continued to push this same race baiting narrative. Check this out. And welcome to what it feels like to be black. A man caught on video unleashing a racist rant. An alleged racist incident. Racial bias. Racist tendency. Racism. Racism from coast to coast. The open racism. Statements of racism. He was brutally beaten by attackers yelling racist and homophobic slurs. A racist drifter. Is it racism? Is it sexism? How do we get white people to see racism as their problem too? That was racist. Racist. Go back to Africa. Kind of racism. Straight up racist. Racist tweets. Racist tweets. Those tweets are racist, a racial dog whistle. The most successful black Americans today are Nigerian Americans because they're not brainwashed by our media. We've heard all about the big explosive cases of racial injustice in America, uh, but that's not what most black people in America deal with. You deal with what we call microaggressions or uh, a thousand cuts of racism every single day. I... So amazing section, part of that uh, of your movie, Uncle Tom. Again, if you're just now watching, this is a, that was a preview from Larry Elder's movie, uh, Uncle Tom, that you can get now on Amazon Prime. I highly suggest that you get it there. Uh, go to UncleTom.com, share it with friends because everybody needs to see it. But that right there, Larry, is specifically a prime example of all these different massive media communications that are programming us, the people. We can't forget. It's called programming for a right. reason, telling us that we have a race issue in our country. Uh, your, your, your thoughts? Well, well it's not. Yeah, and you know, and, and you saw that the montage is, is, as you said, this scattergun, you're a racist, you're a victim, you're a victim, you're a victim. I said this once on my radio show. I said, pick up your magic wand, wave it over America, remove every smidgen of racism from the hearts of white America. Take it all out, it's all gone now. Do the major problems facing black America remain? Do we still have 70% of black kids brought into the world mm -hmm. without a, a mother married to the father? Do we still have a 50% dropout rate in our inner city uh, urban schools? Do we still have 25% of young urban black men with criminal records either having been arrested or, or in jail, on parole, or on probation? If we still have those problems and, and all of the racism has removed from white America, then I submit to you that racist white America is not our problem. Our problem mm -hmm. are bad economic policies, bad social welfare policies and bad behavior that is causing us to perform so badly on so many different levels. Yes, it is. And now we've got the progressive left. I, I personally believe the progressive left has the momentum in the Democrat Party. Uh, I don't think people like the squad, AOC and the, and the rest of them are listening or even like Nancy Pelosi. I think that she has to bow because she understands that they're, you know, they, they have the momentum. And there's and unfortunately, it's because of so many in the school systems 
have been miseducated to believe all these same narratives. Uh, I'm going to show you a clip about AOC. I'd love to get your feedback on that. Okay. Because a lot of people have have drank the poison of white supremacy. Um, and that's what Donald Trump represents. Just is. And if at this point you haven't recognized that and you don't see it, um, maybe you have a lot of work to do too. So what they are willing to do is set a match and light our entire democracy on, fi on fire so that, they can, so that they can uphold the social order of white supremacy. That's what this is about. Straight up. They would rather see our country burn than to see them be shoulder to shoulder equal to others. That is the tragedy of white supremacy. What are your thoughts? She's dangerous. This woman is dangerous. She's dangerous because she convinces people. She's dangerous the way Eric Holder is dangerous. Eric Holder crafts the same kind of BS in these wonderful sentences. He gave a speech once, Eric Holder did, David, where he talked about, you know, blatant racism. We got that covered. You know, it's around the time that Donald Sterling lost his team, the Clippers guy that made all those statements about black people, mm -hmm. his girlfriend yeah. taped him. You know, he lost his team. He said around the time of, of that, he said, you know, that kind of blatant racism, we got that. that. That's not the problem anymore. The problem is pernicious racism. Mm -hmm. okay, three examples. The first example he gave was the fact that black uh, men could commit the same crime as a white man will get a longer sentence. And it is true. What he didn't tell you is that the U.S. Sentencing Commission says the reason for the discrepancy is that the average black criminal has a longer criminal record than the average white criminal. And when it comes <laughs> to sentencing, a judge will take into consideration the number of convictions you have. That's mm -hmm. why black criminals who commit the same crime as a white criminal get a somewhat longer sentence. Number two, he said voter ID was racist. Really? The Supreme Court ruled in a 6-3 decision written by the most liberal justice up there that the Indiana voter ID law was perfectly legitimate and it advanced the, the, uh, the interest of making sure that elections were properly uh, conducted. And every poll I've ever seen showed the majority of black support, wait for it, voter ID. Yeah. <laughs> the third point is that black boys are disproportionately kicked out of school compared to white boys. And that's also true. What he mm -hmm. didn't tell you is that whether the principal is white or black, whether the teacher is white or black, whether the school board uh, is, is primarily white or people of color, black boys are still kicked out more. It's because black boys are misbehaving more. So those yeah. are Eric Holder's three examples that he gave. Suit and tie, Steptoe and Johnson makes $4 million a year uh, as, a, as a partner, and he gives you all this crap to tell you that you are a victim. Now, speaking about AOC, another freshman congressperson is Kowese Mfume. He used mm -hmm. to in Congress years ago. He later on became the president of the NAACP. He's now gone back to Congress. In my 30-year career on television and radio, David, I've never been able to have a one-on-one -on -one interview with Jesse Jackson or Al Sharpton or Farrakhan, even though I reached out to them dozens of times. Maxine wow. Waters. One so-called black leader I reached out to who did respond was Kowese Mfume, who at the time was president of the NAACP. And I said to him, Mr. Mfume, as between the presence of white racism or the absence of black fathers, which poses the bigger threat to the black community? To his credit, David, without missing a beat, the man said the absence of black fathers. Mm -hmm. I rest my case. 
That's that's where it should be. But for those that are not paying attention, for those that are listening to the likes of AOC, the progressive left, or now even Joe Biden. I mean, he didn't wait, you know, even 24 hours after the riot that took place, the incident that took place uh, at the, the Capitol to come out and make it a race issue. Uh, if people aren't waking up to that and have no idea what's what they're being fed, then they're they're really missing it. I've got another clip. I've got two more clips I want to play from Uncle Tom. Uh, I got to do a quick word for my sponsor of today's show really quick. Uh, Friends, if you like these shows, if you like the news that I bring and the guests that I get to bring on, support my show by supporting yourself and getting yourself something at MyPillow.com. Mike Lindell's an amazing friend. He's a huge patriot. Most of all, his products work. I love his pillows. I love his sheets. I really love his new Giza flannel sheets. Uh, His mattress topper is second to none. It's like having a brand new mattress. They've got robes. They've got all kinds of things. So go to MyPillow.com and use the code TRUMP2020 when you do, because it feels so good to type that in. We are still pulling for uh, some kind of miracle uh, to happen, but uh, uh, without a doubt, we still appreciate Trump. So use the code TRUMP2020 when you go to MyPillow.com and get yourself or some family or friends something nice today. All right, Larry. I know you like Mike's stuff too, right? And the my pillow, my pillow towels are amazing. They're they are, they are amazing. <laughs> David, I want to say something about your face. You have the same lips Levi Stubbs has. You know who hmm. Levi Stubbs is? I know the name Levi of Stubbs Don- is the lead singer of the Four Tops. Okay. Sexy, sexy, sexy lips. <laughs> yeah, I'm heterosexual. I'm not hitting on you. I have a girlfriend. I'm just saying. No, I'm not, I'm not worried. <laughs> The, the girls in my high school love Levi Stubbs' his lips because the way he would like wrinkle them when he would sing. You have the same lips as Levi Stubbs. When this thing is over, you go to YouTube, you you, you put it in four tops, and you know what I'm talking about. I will. All right. I will. My, my, favorite, my favorite R&B singers of all times. I met him briefly when I was around 10 years old. But long story. Wow. Well, thank I, you. I, I, I appreciate I, that. I want to say something else, too, about I'll this. I, I often will get a phone call from angry black people. Larry, you're downplaying racism. When was the last time you were called a nigger? Me personally? Yeah. To which I always say, by a white person or a black person. If it's by a white person, I haven't called that by a white person maybe. I haven't called that by a white person maybe in decades. Uh, I've been called that by a black person five minutes ago. (laughs) Yeah. And no one ever asked me, no one ever asked me, Larry, when's the last time you were called an Uncle Tom or a coon or a sellout? Or Samuel. No one ever asked me that. They just asked me when the last time you were called uh, the N-word by a white person. So yeah. um, <laughs> just 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 a just a thought 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 bubble for you. No, I mean, it's 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 uh, it shows the I think the gall of uh, of the. And, and again, we got all I think we have to point out there that it's normally it's normally a liberal or a Democrat that's doing it. It's a black Democrat, black liberal. I've had Hispanics say that. And I've actually have had a white person say it, but it was a white liberal. Right. And I think he was emboldened to say it because he saw all these other black folks saying it. He's like, well, if I, if I, they're saying it against you, you I know, I think the same thing. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> they gave me permission. I can call you one too. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> it's pretty disgusting. All right. I'm going to show this trailer now because everybody, you need to go and stream this. It is now on Amazon prime. The movie is uncle Tom. Here is the official trailer for Uncle Tom, for Larry Elder's movie, Uncle Tom. Obama tore this country down. No one stood up to him. Nobody. Because he was black. You need to wake up. 
My parents didn't teach me that I was a victim. They can turn back voting rights. Didn't nobody donate to us the right to vote? You was your house nigga. I didn't call you a nigga. Oh, okay. That's, that's a big difference. Your Uncle Tom. And Uncle Tom is somebody who has sold out by embracing the white man. Uncle Tom. Bedwench. Bootlicker. Black white supremacist. Chucking and jiving. House Negro. Coon. Uncle Tom. Coon. Coon. I have a coon award over there. Coon of the Year Award. Most black people don't believe that other blacks can be independent free thinkers. I believe the legacy and the ancestry of black Americans is being insulted every single day. I will not pretend to be a victim in this country. I know that that makes many people on the left uncomfortable. Racist, racist, racial, racist, racism. A thousand cuts of racism. The liberal will try to control a black person through the concept of racism because they know that we are very proud, emotional people. I never felt that because I was black or I was poor or a woman that I couldn't do something. I grew up being told of my disadvantages, that this country is unfair to black people. The ideology is implanted into you subconsciously to believe these things. It's like a cancerous plague in the mind of black Americans. We're brainwashed to think, well, is it because I'm black? America's not ours, so we got shipped here. No. Our blood is on this soil. We own this too. There should be a pride that we have in the fact that this country was built by many great black men and women. Are you trying to say that this country does not specialize in racism and bigotry? So long as black people continue to have their psyche filled by that nonsense, we won't have an awakening. Everybody, everybody absolutely needs to go see that film because this is what's at stake, in, in, my, in my opinion, uh, Larry, with a Joe Biden, Kamala Harris presidency. Will race relations get any better? No, they're going to get worse because they're going to play the race card uh, as they've done during the campaign. That's what the Democrats do, because how do you get 95 percent of a group of people to pull the lever for one party unless the other party has been maligned as evil? And that's what they've done. So they're going to continue to do that. One more quick thing I wanted to say, though, David, is I, I'm the executive producer of the film. I'm the one who raised the money and I co-wrote it. But the director is a guy named Justin Malone. Another co-writer is a guy named Ryder Ansel. Now, Justin Malone is the one who came up with the idea. He happens to be white. And uh, uh, about two years before the, mil the film was done, he contacts me at my studio and he says, I I'm a filmmaker. I want to do a film called Uncle Tom. It's about how black conservatives are mistreated in America, blah, blah, blah. And a lot of young filmmakers come to me, David, and they want to uh, interview me for their film. And usually the film never happens. Um, and I had completely forgotten about this guy. So three or four months later, he calls me and he says, I'm the guy that came to your studio and I interviewed you, blah, blah, blah. And I said, I want to show you the tape. So I said, sure. He came over and he showed it to me. As you know, the film is in black and white. It was done, I thought, in a very stylistic way. I love the interview that he did with me. And he had done one other interview. I love the way he edited the interview. And I said, this could be really powerful. Yeah. Um, how much money do you have to do the film? Zero. Wow. Uh, how far are you into, into the film? If it were a baseball game, he was in the top half of the first inning. I said, okay, here's what I'll do. I'll raise the money. You let me help you structure the film. Let me help you write the film. Let's get this puppy done. That's mm -hmm. how it got done. The other thing wow. I want to say is this. Um, some years ago, uh, David, I was in law school and I was visiting my aunt who lived in Michigan, the law school, University of Michigan in Ann Arbor. So I would come and visit my aunt and uncle in Detroit. And one day I'm visiting my aunt 
And this young man, by young, I mean about 40 years old, knocks on the door, he comes in, uh, my aunt and he are, are drinking buddies, social drinking buddies. And so he sat down as my aunt and I were talking about my, my classes in law school. And I look up, David, and this man is crying, hmm. literally crying. And I said, excuse me, sir, did I, did I say something to offend you? Did, did I? He goes, no, 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 no. I wanted to be a lawyer too, just like you. Hmm. But I got caught up in a bunch of jackassery and effed up my chances, end of quote. Wow. And I said, well, you could always do this. You could still do it. He goes, no, no, I have commitments now. I have this. I have this. I can't do it now. I can't do it. My point is, he didn't blame the white man. He didn't mm. say racism held me back. This is 1977, 77, 78-ish. And he said, I got caught up, caught up into a bunch of jackassery, and I threw my life away. And I appreciated the fact that he took responsibility. I still felt he was too negative about his prospects going forward. But the point is, he didn't blame the white man. And that was in the 70s. Why are we blaming the white man now? <laughs> it's asinine. It yeah. is so asinine, except it's the mainstream media. It's all these politicians, all these pundits that are pushing pushing races, racism as a reason why people can't get ahead. And nine times out of 10, probably 99 out of 100, it's their own person's fault that's keeping them from achieving whatever their goals and dreams are. You know, after Obama got elected, I, I'm old school, David. I subscribed back then to the L.A. Times uh, and to the New York Times. They'll throw it to my house. So that following morning, I get up and I pick up the newspapers and both newspapers have color photos of black parents hugging their kids, crying, saying, now, for the first time, I can tell my kid and mean it that if you work hard, you can realize your dreams. And I said to myself, wow, if Obama had lost, what would you have said then? <laughs> my, my, my mother and my father told me I could be president uh, when I was seven years old. That was 1959. <laughs> wow. I, mean, I always believed in myself. I always believed in the country. What were you telling yeah. your kids before Obama got elected for crying out loud? And now only because Obama got elected, you can now say, I'm sincere about it. So you were lying before. Wow. <laughs> it's 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 uh, it's disheartening uh, to see that so many, so many, especially among the black community, have bought into this lie, have been fed this and have just ate it up hook, hook line and sinker. Uh, and then it perpetuates through the black community and and. You're really, you know, one of the leading, you're one of the leaders trying to stop this and turn the tide and wake people up. And as a conservative thought leader like Thomas Sowell, uh, you, you, you are individuals that we should be, that the black community that should be and that America should be learning about in these history books uh, in school. But they're not. They, they, they don't hear about it. And unfortunately, I think too many parents aren't teaching their kids like what you know, you're wildly successful. And at seven years old, your parents believed in you and you uh, your life has proven it. Ebony Magazine um, every year uh, it, it no longer has the clout it used to have. It's been sold now. But every year they had a feature called the 100 most influential uh, blacks in America. And they expanded it to 100 plus because there, there were so many influential. They couldn't put in 100. And every year omitted from that list were Thomas Sowell a man who was described by David Mamet as America's greatest contemporary philosopher. And David wow. Mamet, the playwright, credits uh, Thomas Sowell with, with, which, uh, for, for switching him from a brain-dead liberal to a more thoughtful person. The man has written about 40 books, gone around the world, examined virtually every culture that has ever existed to find out why some succeeded and some failed. Mm -hmm. And he's never included in the list of the 100 most influential Americans uh, in Ebony's annual list. 
Walter Williams, the late Walter Williams, mm. to my knowledge, the only black chair of an economics department of a non-black university, written a number of books, not included, Clarence Thomas on the Supreme Court, by definition, yeah. one of the most powerful people in the world, by any definition, not included in Ebony's list of the most influential black Americans. This is why, in my opinion, we have the lack of, of real discussion uh, within the community about various issues. You can't have a discussion about the welfare state. You can't have a discussion about uh, whether racism is no longer a problem in America without being perceived as a sellout. And that is why those three gentlemen were not included in the list in this magazine that arguably at least one time was the most influential black publication in America. You know, the, the, uh, again, the main and reason I think- And of course I wasn't included in it. Don't even think about me or Peter Kersenow or some of the other younger people like uh, uh, like Jason Pat, like Jason, uh, uh, Jason, Jason Riley who writes for the Wall Street Journal. Uh, mm-hmm. There are a number of younger uh, black conservatives that, that are not included, of course, but these people, it's inexcusable for Thomas Sowell, Walter Williams, and Clarence Thomas not to be included. But every single year, I pick it up to see if they're in there. Maybe this year they're going to be in. Not there. Yeah. Or Dr. Ben Carson. Right. All I, right. I think Carson was in until, was he? He became, until he became a member of the Trump administration. You know, he's been canceled. He used to have his name. Uh, high school was named after him in Detroit where he was raised. They took his name off. Wow. So I'm pretty sure Ben Carson was probably in one of those lists before he became a politician, before he became uh, a dastardly Republican. But uh, had he been uh, out as a member of the Trump administration, he wouldn't have, he wouldn't have been included. <laughs> All right. I got one more video if you've got time. I got one time. Video from the movie. I got time. This is, uh, I think, especially now since he's passed, since he's gone on to heaven, um, this just absolutely, I think, is it resounds what so many uh, so many of Americans, because too many of my white brothers and sisters, Hispanic brothers and sisters, too many Americans have been sucked into this, you know, diabolical uh, uh, attack that's really pitting us against each other to see ourselves based on the color of our skin. And again, with uh, the birthday of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. coming up, uh, it should be all about character, not about color. But I love this clip from the film. Little increases quicker than me. He said, he has a master's degree. I said, oh, it's not because he's white? Nope. He has a master's degree. So you know what I did? I didn't get mad. I went and got me a master's degree. <laughs> there are only four rooms to this life. Went back, sat down with Wayne. I said, well, I got a master's degree. I said, the next thing you have, open it for a promotion. I said, keep me in mind. See you around. And not long after that, they had a special project called Rocket Assisted Projector. They had to have someone who was going to be the GS-13 supervisory mathematician to do the special ballistics on this Rocket Assisted Projector. I got the promotion. And I had eight white people working for me. It was all about performance, not the color of your skin. So since I now had that master's degree and I had proved myself, I got the job. When I decided to leave Dalvin, never forget the department head, and he called me in for an exit interview. And I'll never forget Russ. I think he's deceased now. He said, you know, you have taught me something. I said, what? He said, I had never worked with a black person before. You taught me don't judge somebody by the color of their skin. 
You know, David, I can't remember whether it was Thomas Sowell or Walter Williams. One of them told me black people have come further ahead from further behind than any other race in the history of the world. If black America were its own country, its gross GDP would be the 15th largest uh, in the world. Back in the 90s, Orlando Patterson, who is a black sociologist at Harvard, every sociologist I've ever met is a liberal. He's no different. He voted twice for Obama. In the 90s, he said, white America has now become the least racist majority white society in the world, provides more opportunities and more protection for blacks than any other country in the world, including all of those of Africa. That was in the 90s for crying wow. out. The, uh, the narrative has to be shattered. It's, it must be shattered uh, for us as Americans to finally, eventually, we'll have to unite. What I see taking place right now from the left and Democrats is a and mainstream media and Netflix. I saw a clip from Netflix talking about how they're trying to be inclusive. And it seems as though they're trying to paint our ideology, our conservative ideology. They're trying to paint the entire thing, something that needs to be eradicated, yet they're using racism as a reason to do it. Right. I, I think this film could could make a difference. I'm looking at some of the reviews and every now and then I'll read a review where somebody uh, self confesses that he or she is, is a liberal. And usually it's something like this. Well, one of my conservative friends asked me to see this film and I just knew it was going to be a piece of rhetoric, a bunch of a bunch of nonsense. I was shocked. I thought it was going to be a bunch of conservatives telling people to think uh, what to think. Instead, it was a bunch of conservatives, black conservatives telling people they are free to think. Mm. And one person even said it's a love letter to America that shows America has struggled mightily to reconcile itself uh, with its behavior uh, versus its values. And mm. America is struggling mightily to become a more perfect union. And it has become a more perfect union. And it, to me, it's insulting for young people to get out on the streets and talk about microaggressions uh, and uh, cultural misappropriation, whatever the hell that is. When people like MLK, I just recently read his letter from a Birmingham jail, David. He wrote in 1963. And the letter was written to clergymen in Birmingham who didn't want him there because they thought he was too aggressive. They thought he was, the timing was not right. And he says, you don't know what it's like to have a five-year-old girl who sees on television, on radio, uh, the fun park, like a, like a Disneyland that you can go to, only for me to tell her only white girls can go. You have no idea what it's like to sleep in your car four nights in a row when you're driving across the city, across the country, because you can't get into a motel or hotel. You don't know. And he went over all the things that that day-to-day cause black people to be oppressed and, and mm. to be angry and, 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 to, and to be marginalized. Not... Look at today. Oh, yeah. Not on the television. I'm walking commercial after commercial looking at interracial couples. Usually it's a it's a it's a white guy with a black female, which is not the way it normally is in real life. All right. these commercials, all this interracial stuff, black president, black attorney general, uh, black secretary of state, uh, black senators. What are we talking about here? Yeah. I mean, honestly. Yeah. It's got to change. It's got to stop. Uh, final thoughts on where we go from here under a Biden administration. Uh, final, final words, whatever you'd like to share, Larry. The floor is well, yours. I would like to tell people if they want to see Uncle Tom, it's available on UncleTom.com. Uh, I have good news. It's now on Amazon Prime as of last week. It's also now on iTunes. I was told when I started the film, don't think you're going to get on any of these major platforms. They're not going to give you any love. Well, the movie is so good. Uh, all the major platforms, except for Netflix, has given us some love. What's going to happen for the next uh, two to four years? 
they're going to try to expand their power. Nancy Pelosi has already introduced a bill to make uh, Washington, D.C. a state. And the reason they want Washington, D.C. to be a state is because they want two more left wing senators. Yep. Then they're going to do the same thing for Puerto Rico. She's also introducing legislation to make it easier and easier for people to vote. Uh, i.e. I. easier and easier for people to vote who ought not vote, in my opinion. Yes. Uh, and that's what the Democrats did. They loosened the rules so that virtually anybody who could fog up a mirror was able to vote. That's how, in my opinion, ultimately they won this election. And the only reason they won it, the only reason they won the election is because of COVID-19 and the resultant economic decline. You take that away, this man gets reelected. His policies won. We picked up about a dozen seats in the House. So his policies were not were not rejected. His policies regarding taxes, regarding regulation, regarding uh, the, the borders, regarding his judges, all those won. He did not win primarily because of COVID-19 and the pathological hatred of him because of his personality. I agree 110 percent. Final question. I know I said I had one more, but final question. For, I have a huge audience of, of people. Like, hey, like, like, sir, sir, one more thing, sir. Sir, one more thing, sir. Uh, when, you, when you were at the park at 3 o'clock, uh, are you sure you left at 3 o'clock, not 3.15, sir? One more question. I apologize. I apologize. I like to always ask this question. Uh, but, yeah, it's like, well, I got you. I got you. Uh, but seriously, how important is faith to you? Very important. It is central. You know, I wrote a book about my father called Dear Father, Dear Son. My father and I did not have a good relationship when we were growing up. We reconciled when I was 25 years old. We became really, really good buddies. Mm -hmm. My father never went to church. My mother uh, taught in Sunday school. Uh, I played piano for church in Sunday, in, in Sunday school. My father never went. I assume my father didn't believe in God, but mm -hmm. I didn't like my father. We never had any deep conversations, so I didn't care one way or the other. When my father had an eight hour conversation when I was 25 years old, I asked him everything I could possibly ask him. And during that eight, eight hour conversation, David, he went from this little guy to bigger and bigger and bigger. And Larry went from this guy to smaller and smaller and smaller. And I apologize for this attitude I had towards my father. I was mm -hmm. crying at this point. And my father said, you shouldn't apologize. Just follow the instructions I always gave you and your brothers. Hard work wins. You get out of life what you put into it. You cannot control the outcome, Larry, but damn it, you are 100% in control of the effort. And before you bitch, whine, and moan about what somebody did to you or said to you, go to the nearest mirror, look at it, and say to yourself, what could I have done to change the outcome? And if wow. anybody had a right to be angry at the man, it is my father. He left home when he was 13 years old, kicked out of the house by his irresponsible mother, Jim Crow South at the beginning of the Great Depression, Athens, Georgia, and the man just picked up and did his thing, joined the military, janitor, cleaned toilets when I was growing up, started a little cafe, ran until he was 82 years old. This is America. My father was always a lifelong Republican. And he always said this, Democrats want to give you something for nothing. And when you try and get something for nothing, you almost always end up getting nothing for something. That's my father. Mm -hmm. That's what I get. And I said to my father, do you believe in God? My father looked at me like I had six heads. He said, of course I believe in God. I said, Dad, you never went to church. He said, I never went to church because the pastor in the country, uh, uh, a church where I went to, the entertainment of everybody was who's sleeping with who. And the pastor had a bunch of girlfriends. He had the biggest car, the nicest clothes, the biggest house. And I thought there was something wrong for this man to have all this stuff. We didn't have anything. And for him to be providing the entertainment uh, in the community about who's sleeping with who. So he said, hell with it. I said, Dad, not every church is like that. Right. But my father <laughs> like that. But no, faith is, of course, important. And ultimately, that's the answer. 
in rereading the, the letter to the Birmingham jail, MLK talked about love ultimately being the answer. You have to love mm -hmm. your enemy. You do. Otherwise, he's not going to change. He, yeah. that's, what, that's what Jesus Christ was telling us. And yes. if we don't get that, we don't get anything. We're all in Americans. We really think about our differences. They're this. I've been all around the country, all around the world. I've been to Africa. They don't call me an African-American. They call me an American. It's only here that we have all these silly differences. We, we both went for the same home team. We're, we're both pretty, pretty much Christians. Uh, we either Republicans or Democrats. We're born and raised in America. Our values are all pretty much the same. We ought to yeah. celebrate our, our similarities and not focus on our differences. So good. Can I get an amen? Can, get an amen? Can we say Larry, amen? <laughs> what's that? Can we say amen or not amen? amen. <laughs> Thank you so, so much, my brother, for taking the time to join me today. You're always enlightening, inspiring, uplifting, and encouraging, and always bringing clarity. And I so appreciate you for that. It's been an absolute honor to have you on my show today. It's been my pleasure, David, anytime. All right. Thank you, Larry. Friends, please go stream, go download it, get it at Prime, Amazon, go to UncleTom.com, get this movie, share it with your friends and family. I truly believe it is the spear that will begin to crack wide open the narrative that the mainstream media has been pushing on all of us. We're not a racist country. We're not a divided by race. We should see ourselves for how God created us, and we all have the ability to put our two boots on in the morning, shoes on and make whatever we want of our life. Uncle Tom the movie breaks that barrier down and it'll open up your eyes. So please go and get that movie, download it, stream it, and share it. And then go to MyPillow.com and get something great for yourself and make sure you use the code TRUMP2020 when you do. God bless you. We'll talk to you again soon. Share this episode like crazy. Bye-bye. My name is David J. Harris Jr. Join me and millions of Americans around the country as we embrace liberty and freedom. This is the David J. Harris Jr. Show.